When Jana was in grade seven, she started to explore the darker side of life. March 7th. Lately, I've been reading books about cults and other mystic forces. (laughs) The more I read, the more I appreciate and long to be a member of a cult. (laughs) Being a leader, to be called master, of summon demons really appeals to me. That's Jana reading about her childhood desire to join a cult. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. It's nice to see you. Boy, oh boy. On this show, we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Company House in Halifax, we have Late Bloomers, the last will and testament of a 13-year-old, and an East Coast-themed acid trip. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and whether you grew up wanting to join a cult or not, a lot of it is pretty relatable. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Our next reader, Aaron, kept a diary between the ages of 11 and 14. And at our Halifax show, she read a few entries that describe the agony and the ecstasy of falling in love multiple times, (laughs) being rejected by friends, and what it was like to be a very late bloomer. Please welcome to our stage, Aaron. May 9th, 1982. Dear Diary, I stopped liking Jason a long time ago. Now he likes Kathy and is going out with her. Now Mike, this really nice guy, loves Kathy. He even yelled, I love Kathy, at the top of the Ferris wheel. (laughs) I wish some boy liked me. I'm not that bad. I'm reading the diary of Anne Frank. I sort of envy her in a way. (laughs) She talks about her strings of boyfriends. Kim is turning into a real snot. I can hardly stand her. Meanwhile, I've started to hang around with Deanne and Liz. Bevan is Liz's brother. He likes either me, Kathy, or Kim. (laughs) Probably Kathy. I sure wish boys liked me. Dad drives me nuts. He never takes me seriously and likes to exaggerate. Mom's three months pregnant. She's due in October. I had a slumber party on Friday night. (laughs) We stayed up till four in the morning. Marty, Michael, and Bevan came over in the morning and we snuck them in the window. Marty tried to feel me. (laughs) I didn't let him. He's gross. I'm supposed to go to sleep now. April 10th, 1983. My best friend got a bra a little while ago. Now I have no one to talk to about how disgusting it is to be a late developer. I have a book with a chart that says I should be a lot chestier than I am. (laughs) 
My mom says it isn't important that I don't have a boyfriend, that I'll have one later. The only boys who will ever like me are unpopular sick ones like Stephen or Howard. <laughs> May 24th, 1983. Today was dad's birthday. He's 40. My own dad is 40. He's not older, he's just smarter. Kathy's party is tomorrow. It should be fun. No prom invitation. Not yet. Hopefully soon. I won't get asked. I'll sit alone on prom night in my prom dress watching Dallas. <laughs> End of August, 1983. School starts soon. Mom said that probably by the end of grade seven, I would be big enough to wear a bra. Grade eight, and I'm still flat. It's so embarrassing. The other night I was at Maria's all-girl party and there was only one girl besides me who didn't wear a bra. I look like an eight-year-old, a tall one. <laughs> September 9th, 1983. I have deep feelings for Mike. Still, I have since grade six when he was going out with Kathy. He used to put his arm around her, and inside my head I would say, how can you do this to me? I love you. <laughs> I didn't realize I, I realized I loved him until later on. I think I will always love him, somewhere down inside. I don't think I'll ever get the courage to say, hey, I loved you. But if I do, I'll word it differently. If he asked me out or anything like that, I'd probably say no. But all I want is maybe one waltz. Just one. <laughs> I'm having a sleepover next Friday. I'm going to be 13 on Thursday. I can't wait. I wonder if the number will be unlucky or lucky for me. <laughs> Thanks. I can tell you, as interested as Erin was in that chart she had, there are probably a lot of teenage boys who were even more interested in that chart. Erin was not the only reader at our Halifax show who read about coming of age. When Alexandra was 12 and 13, she kept a diary too. And she wrote about the kinds of things that happen when you're 12 and 13, both emotionally and physically. Dear Diary, smiley face. On Saturday, when the rest of my family was at my brother's hockey game, I had my period. It wasn't as bad as some people said it would be. At least I know I'm fertile. <laughs> <laughs> I want twin girls. Well, it's dodo time for me. I'll write again soon. Your friend, Alex. Six months later, when I'm 13. Friday, July 3rd, 1998. And I gave it the title, Serious Protection. My period started on Wednesday, again. I have never worn a tampon in my life before, until yesterday. <laughs> I can't get it all the way in <laughs> yet. <laughs> but today, because of my d 
dumb period, something very humiliating happened. It wasn't like one of those horror flick, like the ones you read about in Seventeen, but it was still embarrassing and humiliating. Laura had to teach me about rescue breathing and stuff. This is out of the pool and on the deck. By the time I had gotten out of the pool, I realized my tampon had come out. But it was still in my bathing suit. (laughs) But I thought nothing about it. When I got up from my sitting position, I saw that the water I was sitting in had turned slightly orange. I was panic-stricken. Would Laura notice? If she realized, she didn't say anything. I am very lucky that I am not in a big swimming class. (laughs) Dear Diary, something horrid happened two weeks ago. I fell in love. But I didn't just fall in love with anyone. I fell in love with a movie star. (laughs) Loving a movie star is tough stuff. Tough stuff. Really tough stuff. You don't know them personally, but you still love them. It's just not fair. Even if there was going to be some big announcement tomorrow about him being engaged or in love himself, I'd still love him. Weird, isn't it? I don't even know the guy. Even so, I have mixed emotions about him. It's like picking the petals off a flower. First I love him, then I think, how can I? He doesn't even know who I am. In closing, I must say, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. One more time for Alexandra. When you're a teenager, you're kind of caught in between two worlds. You're not a kid anymore, but at the same time, you're not an adult yet. And a lot of the teenage writing we hear at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids reflects that, a weird mix of the juvenile and the mature. When Matthew was 15 or 16, he reimagined the classic children's story of Peter Rabbit, but with a decidedly adult twist. He called the story, Peter Meets the Fuzz. And when I asked Matthew what he meant by the fuzz, he said, police. Please welcome to our stage, Matthew. All right, so Peter Meets the Fuzz. Peter was a very happy little bunny. He got lots of new toys and games from his mother. He even got a 50-inch plasma screen TV. Then Peter wondered, Mother, where did you get all of these wonderful things? They must have cost a lot of money. Not for me, Mother said in a warm, comforting voice. (laughs) I get a special discount at the mall. Peter wanted to learn more about this discount. Why did Mother need the mask? What was that black thing in Mother's hands? What did all of these loud bangs and alarms mean? While Peter was thinking, there was a knock at the door. Mother told Peter to answer the door. When Peter opened the door, he saw a big, friendly police officer. (laughs) Hello, little boy. Is your mother home? Then Peter went to get his mother. There's a policeman here to see you. 
then mother grabbed that black thing and mother said, go play in the backyard, Peter. We're going on a trip. Should I pack, asked Peter. You don't have time, said mother, as she, as she made her way to the door. Then Peter went out to the swing. He heard the loud bangs like he did at the mall. Then he heard sirens and a minivan drove into the backyard. Jump in, Peter. We're going on a trip, mother said. Where are we going, Peter asked. Very far away, mother said. Mother was driving very fast. She drove so fast, she drove through the fence and on the road. (laughs) Then Peter saw flashing blue and red lights behind the minivan. Do you remember how to drive, Peter? Mother asked. (laughs) Yes, Peter replied. So mother moved to the back as Peter drove. Mother got her black thing and it flashed and it made a loud bang. When that happened, one of the flashing lights went away. And then there was a loud boom. Why did you do that, Mother? Peter asked. The people with the flashing lights want to catch us and put us in jail, Mother said in a warm tone. (laughs) So it's a game then, asked Peter. That's right, said Mother. Peter liked games. (laughs) He liked this one a lot. It's the only game that let Peter drive. What is this game called, asked Peter. It's called Shave the Fuzz, said Mother. (laughs) For a long time, Mother kept using the black thing, and one by one, the flashing lights went away. We're winning, said Peter. (laughs) You're right, said Mother. Now all we have to do is go to a sign that says, Welcome to Mexico. (laughs) Then the game will be over. Then after a long time of driving, the minivan finally reached Mexico. We won, shouted Peter. We did, Peter. You played very good. I'm proud of you, Peter. Peter was happy. He knew that they were going to have fun in Mexico. The end. I'm sure there is a moral to that story. I'm just not sure what it is. When I was a kid, I didn't give store-bought greeting cards. Pretty much every birthday, Christmas, Mother's, or Father's Day card I ever gave was made by me by hand. And our next reader, Shelley, was the same way. At our Halifax show, she brought along a few cards that she made for her parents. And if you listen very closely, you'll notice a pretty big difference between the cards she gave to her mom and the cards she gave to her dad. This is a Mother's Day card to my mother written when I was about seven years old. You can say you love someone, but that's cupboard love. It's just cupboard love. I guess I'll have to prove that I love you. I know that sometimes I'm shrewd. I know that sometimes I'm rude. I know that sometimes I'm bad. But I love you, Mom. XOXO, XO, 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 love Shelley. (laughs) 
This is also a Mother's Day card written at six. Today, today is Mother's Day, and I picked my mom a bouquet. I kissed her once, I kissed her twice, and then I said, I think you're nice. <laughs> to the best mother ever on Mother's Day. I gave her a little basket of flowers. Now contrast that with my Father's Day card. <laughs> so this is, this is the sun, a little boat and stuff on the front. My dad was a real fisherman. But inside, I have no idea why, is a picture of a bull. <laughs> and it says, I'm sorry, you stupid bull. <laughs> and then I give him this lovely poem with all these pictures, you know, the water and the boat and the fishing gear. And it says, everyone grumbled. The sky was gray. We had nothing to do and nothing to say. <laughs> We were nearing the end of a dismal day. <laughs> and there seemed to be nothing beyond. But then, Daddy fell in the pond. <laughs> and, you know, a little more artwork on the back of that card, which says, Love, Shelley. No X's and O's. But a picture of him and I playing together with the words, time's running out. <laughs> and finally, this beautiful book that I made for my mother. You can see the nice Kleenex flower attached to the front still. And it says, a big hug, a big kiss, and my whole heart are sent in this. And it's a Valentine's card. And at the bottom I wrote, this may be for Valentine's Day, but it's true today and every day. And then it says, has a nice little picture of a girl, another Valentine's card. I don't know why that was a theme then, but this may not be me, but I'm growing year after year. And at least I'm a girl. <laughs> I may not look like her, but I'm yours. Then I went through the newspaper and I cut her out a bunch of comics. And because I wasn't sure if she would know that, I said, these are some of the things I cut out of the newspaper that you've just seen. <laughs> and then I added this final poem for her, which was, the more you blow, the more I grow to like you. Ha ha. <laughs> Love, Shelley. <laughs> So, friends, this is going to be fun. When Michelle, how old were you when this? 17. When Michelle was 17 years old, it was the summer of 1997, and she and her friends did acid and she wrote about it. Please welcome to our stage, Michelle. Saturday, August 2nd. Woke up. Watched Anna Green Gables, number three with Brett. <laughs> At night, I got our acid. <laughs> Brett, Shelley, Leslie, Adam, Allison, Dave, and I did it. 
We started off at the bridge. Then we went to the school. It started kicking in then. Allison and I bonded right away. <laughs> then we went to the park. I started crying on the baseball field because my friends didn't realize I was crying. <laughs> Brett kept helping me, but somehow I kept pissing him off. He'd get mad, and I'd cry again. <laughs> then we walked to another school. Everything was blurry and crazy. It was such strong acid. <laughs> For a lot of it, I felt like I was Anne Shirley. <laughs> I also acted like a grade four bitch. <laughs> Smiley face. Allison didn't understand was going, what was going on. It was so scary and crazy and fun at the same time. Then a truck stopped, and it was four people we knew. It was weird how they got into our trip. <laughs> then at 11.50, we all had to split. Four of us went back to Shelley's. We were all so messed. Everything was so blurry and symmetrical and lizards and frogs everywhere. <laughs> I called Brett so he wouldn't have to feel so all alone. We all sat in the basement, and I babbled to myself all night. It was such a good but crazy night. At 3 o'clock, we hung up with Brett, and then we all talked until 8 a.m. about last night and about everything. It was awesome. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids happens when people bring writing from different points in their lives. Because in just a few minutes on stage, years get compressed, and we hear how thoughts and opinions can change and evolve over time. When Jenna was seven, she learned what a last will and testament is. And as she grappled with the concept of her own mortality, she decided to write her own will. She actually wrote three drafts, one at age seven, one at 10, and another at 13. Reading them in order, live on stage in Halifax, here's Jenna. Thank you. My will, age seven. When I die, I want to be burned up, and I want my ashes buried in grandma and grandpa's popsicle tire. <laughs> and I will give my eyeballs and my heart to other people. Janetta Lynn Ross. And this one, since I was only seven, came with a lot of illustrations, which you can't see, but I'll describe. There's the popsicle tire, which was my grandparents' old tractor tire in their backyard, where I used to eat popsicles. <laughs> and there's my ashes going into it. <laughs> um, and then I have a series of pictures of me on the operating table. <laughs> um, that's... <laughs> there's the descriptions, dead me. Then um, there's the doctor taking out my heart, and doctors putting the heart into another person. And the next sequence is my eyeballs coming out with their veins hanging off. And the doctor is putting the eyes in a different person, and the recipient has gaping black eye sockets, but is smiling. <laughs> this was my revised version at age 10. My will. 
I want all my eyes, heart, and all that stuff to go to other people, and I want to be burned with cuddles and pinky, and for our ashes to be spread in the most beautiful lake, river, sea, ocean, whatever, in Scotland, and to have bagpipe music playing Scotland the Brave really fast at my funeral. <laughs> I also want them to give out jelly beans at the end of the funeral, and I want the funeral to be held in Ackerman's Lane. Jenna Ross. The illustration for this one is me as an angel on a cloud. Um, I'm winking, and it says, I'll be watching you. <laughs> and this is my final will, which I think still is standing today because I haven't made one since. Um, and by the way, these were all in my parents' fireproof safe until a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, this is at age 13. I want my parts to go to people who need them, and I want to get cremated and have my ashes thrown in the air on a really windy day or a windy storm. <laughs> don't make a party out of it or anything, though. I don't want a funeral or a little morning party or stuff like that. I don't want my school to have a thingy, but I want them to put the flag at half-mast. <laughs> the reason I don't want a funeral and ceremony is because it makes people feel uncomfortable and stuff. I want my trust money to go to the reason I died. Unless I got hit by a car or something, then I want it to go to Paws, which is our local animal shelter. <laughs> I want my college and university money, or university money, to go to mom and dad. And if they sue someone for why I died and are billionaires or don't need the money, then give it to Crystal for her college or university. <laughs> I'm Jenna Ross. Thank you. Jenna, ladies and gentlemen, I am no lawyer, but that seems pretty airtight. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the company house in Halifax and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Now, we are working on a bunch of upcoming live events for the spring, and I would love to hear the things you wrote when you were a kid. For all the details, join the email newsletter. It's the first place we announce new live shows and you can sign up at grownupsreadthingsthewroteaskids.com. You can also find us on Facebook where we have photos of all the readers at our Halifax show. Just search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids or even easier, follow the link in the show notes to this episode. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.